the Pacific. People in their life during the Amazing purpose driven organization. Catch that fabulous person. My partner and I just, and I can know just read about it. Next week. You have to watch. All about it. It really changed my perspective. You gotta check it out. All you see is darkness. It's really dark. It's really dark. It's really dark. And then you see a tree. The lights lift slowly on this tree. It's spotlit. And in front of the tree, there is a black woman reading a book. And then you see more lights come up and you see more women and men and kids reading these books. And there's no words. There's no words. It's just this West African orchestral music in the background. It's very soft, but it's very pointed. And the lights come up very slowly and they're all a little farther apart. But as the lights come up, you see hundreds of them and then thousands of them and then millions of black people connected in these ways. And then the lights go out and it says, we believe in black storytelling. My name is Dominique Luster. I am the founder and principal archivist of the Luster Company. And I'm an archivist, a historian. Let's just say if Indiana Jones and Harriet Tubman were squished together, that's basically what I do. This is Mission Megaphone, a Growth Network podcast production. We're on a mission to be a megaphone for purpose-driven organizations that are changing the world. The Luster Company is about a need that I felt in the world. It is about a desire to uplift and just outpour from my spirit what I felt around my own family's story and what I felt around the story of Black Pittsburghers. I try to help Black families uh, find their Black families, find their own stories, connect to their ancestors, um, to their heritage, and, and honestly connect anyone who has an vested interest in Black storytelling to those narratives. I had this thing that needed to come out of me of helping people tell stories and finding out what my own story was. And when I realized that I needed help doing this and I found that other people needed help doing this and more people needed help doing this, the Luster Company kind of birthed itself out of this idea of, hey, our stories matter and they can often be under-recorded or under-documented or under-preserved. It's common right now to discuss and to talk about the preservation of marginalized stories, that is something that we think very intentionally about now. However, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. So where are the stories of Black families, brown families, religious minorities families, LGBTQAI families, where are those stories from their grandparents? What happened to those old family Bibles? What happened to those family traditions? While we can't always necessarily go back and save them, the Luster Company kind of comes from this idea of, well, the second best time to plant a tree is now. You'll see from my website, thelustercompany.com, my own family's story deeply inspires me. I list out the maternal lineage right there on my website. I, I name their names because these women really matter to me. So my mother, um, my grandmother, her mother, her mother, and her mother, they matter. They are instrumental to the story of who I am at all. And so I would not be able to be in this work without them. They are deeply inspirational and, and motivational to me. I was brought into the field and mentored by Black women. So I understand the importance of Black female mentorship. 
and the impact that Black female mentorship has had in my life. There are Black women archivists from Stacey Williams to Regina Jackson to Holly Smith to Dorothy Berry. The numbers are really endless and, and to them I'm very thankful. An archivist is a person who genuinely believes in their heart that information matters and that people have a right, a human right to information and that information can be and is a source of power that can be used, wielded, manipulated, or traded as a currency for any number of given reasons or outcomes. An archivist is a person who believes that information has power and wishes to share that power with as many people as possible, to give access to that power to as many people as possible. It's not just about dusty boxes in the back of basements. The spirit of it really comes from a relief of sharing, of providing access, whether that is in an institution such as a university, uh, a government archive, a museum, a library, whatever it is, or individually in a community archive, a tribal nation archive. An archivist believes in sharing information as a tool, as a currency of power, and that there shouldn't be barriers to entry or barriers to power and having access to that power to as many people as possible. Charles Teeny Harris is one of my main inspirations as I was coming up through the field. I had the incredible honor and privilege of serving his legacy for a few years before beginning the, the Luster Company. He was a photographer in Pittsburgh in, in mid 20th century and taught me so much about what it means to celebrate blackness and to celebrate community around blackness, to tell stories through imagery. As his medium was photography, there's certain modes that he could teach through visual looks and acuity and analysis and light and shadow. There are a lot of things that you can learn through the visual record. And as an archivist, I kind of was able to blend my training, my education, my understanding of records as places of power through his understanding of photographs as visions and windows into places. Um, and when you merge those two things together, you can kind of see, okay, well, who is historically left out of the record? Who is historically left out of the photograph? How are these photographs positioned to present a certain narrative? And is that narrative skewed in a certain way or provided to a certain person in a certain way? And how do we tell that story for ourselves? The lesson that I learned about from Teeny was about how do you tell your own story in the way that you want to tell it? How do you make sure that the story of your life, the story of your family, the story of your legacy is told from your own words, from your own heart? There's this really beautiful quote that says, if there are 44 million Black Americans, which it's not anymore, but this is a historic quote, but if there are 44 million Black Americans, there are 44 million ways to be Black. And every single one of those ways is correct. And so however you express yourself, then it's correct. And that's what I learned. And that's why I actually felt like I had to start this company. Because when you know better, you must do better. When you feel charged to do something, when you understand, when you've seen the page, you can't unsee it. And once I really understood this concept of, this is how I express my Blackness, this is how I give to the world, I couldn't unsee it.
What is the past? Honestly, it's such a complicated question, but I will start by the past is essentially the idea of the chronology of things in a certain order. So February 2nd, and then February 5th, and then February 14th. Last year, those dates are in the past. And even those things are subjective. If you've ever asked, say, um, your aunt and uncle or your grandparents about a very memorable or particular day, and they have slightly similar but slightly separate memories of that exact same event, say their wedding from 40 years ago or something like that, they're going to remember it differently. But it happened on the same day in the past, right? Those differences, the fact that it happened on the same day, the fact that they are trying to recall the exact same event is the chronology of the past. Whereas they're processing their memory of that time, of that event, is history. So the difference being that the cake was ordered from this company as a receipt-like fact can be pointed to as in the past. Whereas the story of grandma and grandpa's wedding, their storytelling of it is the history. History is one, a phenomenon of power, truly, because it is controlled, dictated, and shared through influences of power. There's this saying that history is written by the victor. It's very true because it's uh, about controlling the flow of influence. So if an influential person decides that this is what happened as a historic event, and that is told at enough scale that it's broad spread shared either through narrative history books, when one version of a story gets shared at scale, it becomes history, it becomes historic. And given some education systems, we may not challenge it all the time. It depends on when or how or why something might be introduced. But for certain individual events like your great-grandparents' wedding, we don't necessarily think about it as a phenomenon of power. But when we think about the transatlantic slave trade or narrative about the Jim Crow South, it is. It is absolutely uh, a phenomenon of power. And, and it's a phenomenon in which information is used as a currency, as a weapon for either driving a certain narrative forward or to shape a certain narrative in a different direction. Records can be left out or destroyed. Humans can be left out or destroyed. Power takes this shape and it uses information as the tool, as a principal melder for what that history is going to be. And it's our job to question it, to criticize it. It's not as if I'm looking for different history. It's that I truly believe we need to have more history. I personally, in the Luster Company, I'm not advocating for one version of an event over another. I think it's okay to have both. I think it's okay to have multiple narratives of any given time in, in American history and world history. It's okay to have more stories. We need to have more narratives, more histories. Histories can be plural. <laughs> and that gives us a fuller and more complete understanding because we are living through history and how this time in our lives in American history and world history will be recorded and shared will dramatically impact those 20 years from now or 50 years from now in a myriad of ways.
Something that I am excited to work on is these ideas around community archiving as independent places of power and influence. And what I mean by that is, like I mentioned earlier, about the community archives if you live in a neighborhood or if you have a specific community or profession in a specific geographic location. They have things happening, they have records, they have movement, they have people, they have power, they have a shift that is occurring. And there are some projects coming down the road that would really allow us to support communities in the most authentic and genuine ways by giving infrastructural support by providing those information and documentary services, by going into their attics and closets and actually helping them do the archival work, helping them get those photo albums out of those old boxes and into some sleeves. There is work to be done and it's a really amazing opportunity to be invited into essentially a community's home to help them tell their stories by really investing in informal community archiving just as much as we invest in formalized institutional archiving. It's not just about getting family photographs out of the old dusty boxes and digitizing them. Digitizing is actually a multi-step process and it is expensive, but that's actually why I'm not always advocating or pushing for the digitization of records because I want to be uniquely present and aware of the needs of the families that I'm working with and the clients that I'm working with. So if I'm working with a family whose grandmother has photo albums from the 1940s, Granny has no idea how to like log into a secure cloud storage and view her photographs on the computer. It's of no use to her. And what we prioritize over everything is use. It's about using the things and seeing the things and sharing the things. And there is a, a, a physiological response that the brain and the body and the soul has to touching old things and to having your family's photographs or newspaper clippings where your great grandparents were listed on the front page of the newspaper. There is something about having that in your hands that can never be replaced. Now, that is not to say that if the elements have taken the family photographs and digitization is the best way to preserve them so that they can be seen for years to come, then absolutely. But I firmly believe that technology should be used in the service of solving a problem. If solving the problem is access to family recipes or family Bibles, if the answer is use and the family has no need to use digitization as a technology, there are other things that we can do, then I'm not necessarily going to introduce it because I want to encourage the thingliness of things as a point of peace, as a point of yours, as a point of not dealing with who owns the cloud storage. <laughs> There's too many things that get caught up in digitization, especially at the community archiving level, when really people want to see the Mother's Day photo from 1942. That's what they want to see. That's what they want to have. The Lester Company is a community of anyone who cares about Black history and storytelling and narrativity as much as I do, point blank period. And that can be of any walk of life, of, of any background, but you come to this table and you definitively assert and stand on the ground that Black stories, Black people, uh, Black ancestry matters. 
from that table, then we can talk about whatever projects or opportunities there are to dive into that for your unique expression. But our community is anyone who definitively believes as we believe, period. Now, that has looked like individuals looking to trace their families as far back as possible. So that could be something in the genealogy kind of realm of work. It can also be individuals looking to break through a very specific brick wall. So that could be a very specific question or interest that they may have in either their family or something that they are working on, a research interest, a a book, a, a, a film, whatever it is that might involve Black stories, Black individuals, those who have gone before us. Maybe you're working on a project about someone who there's not a lot well known about that individual, but you know how important they were to your work in the arts or your work in Black financing in America. If you know and you just need help getting there, then we do that kind of work. This community can look like collectives or cohorts who are looking to do good in the realm of supporting and uplifting Black collections. There is a notorious underrepresentation of Black and Brown stories that are formally recorded and preserved in libraries, archives, universities across the country. If there is already a little bit of a lack of support in major institutions, you can only imagine how much there is a lack of infrastructure and support in community archives or informal institutions. So maybe you are a local community in Pittsburgh or you are a local community in New York or a local community in Virginia, and you live in a predominantly Black community that has a rich history but no one is collecting and no one's preserving and no one is making sure that those records are kept and available. That is also our community. That is something that that we can absolutely help with. Those who need to hear about the Luster Company's mission most are really two groups. There's a generation who have no idea what their great-grandparents did or where they came from or anything about their lives. There is a generation who has no idea how valuable and how powerful they are, because it's never been made of interest to them in a way that is captivating. Regardless of what happened in your high school, history is cool. They lied. History is awesome. It just depends on how it's framed. I swear it's so fascinating when it is relatable to you and it connects to you and what's important and matters to you. But on the flip side of that, there is a generation of people who have the knowledge, who don't think it is of value to be shared. Our parents or our grandparents' generation who were around, and they may actually know their parents' or grandparents' names. So now all of a sudden you have access to you and I's maybe second or third generation great-grandparent, but our grandparents have no idea that that information is valuable. They have no idea. They don't write it down. You grow up at the kitchen table and and then you find out, oh yeah, my mother went to uh, so-and-so's college. She was like the first black woman who went to that college. You never thought to tell anybody? Things like that happen in families all the time. And that information gets lost. It can't necessarily be recaptured in the same way. There are things that I can do as an archivist to go find historic records or census records or school records. There are empirical primary source records that I can go find 
as receipts or evidence to your family, but it is very different from actually having your own family story shared with you by those who know it. It's incredible what our parents, our grandparents know about their own families that they just don't think is important or matters to share, or it doesn't occur to them that anybody would be interested in where their grandma moved from. It's incredibly important, even if it just keeps the information in the back of someone's mind, because maybe it isn't as important to you, but it might be important to your kids. You never know. So just having that information, talking about it is vitally important. As a small business, our most ambitious goal was to be of service (laughs) and was to prove the value of this service, was to create something and prove that it was needed and wanted, that people were wanting these ideas around narrativity and storytelling. The goal right now would be to just have more people want to do it, to expand into these community archiving projects that are coming into play, to be able to be of service to more families. As you can imagine, African-American genealogy is quite difficult. There are gaps in the records that other families may not necessarily experience, and it requires a different lens, kind of reading between the lines. There's also a brick wall in Black family genealogy sometime around 1870 to 1890. It's very difficult to trace Black families through the Civil War. And so one of my goals would be to figure out a way that we can help more people unlock that brick wall in in more efficient ways because there's such uh, a powerful reckoning that happens on the other side of that through slavery. Other goals would be get the word out because I really want people to be thinking about how they can do this work for themselves. How can they be inspired to do what they can by themselves? And when they can't get any further, when you've hit that brick wall, tap an archivist on the shoulder and say, hey, you know, I've traced my ancestors. I want to have more conversations along the lines of this historic Black and Brown community out of Pittsburgh or out of Richmond or out of D.C., how can you help? It's just really, where can we be of service? I think that we are all endowed by an instinct to tell the stories of our lives and to see the stories of our lives and the stories of our families outlive us. There are some innate human instincts around legacy and legacy building that are just hard to really explain and define. I have often advised clients or families that you do not need a professional archivist to save your family history. I am more than happy to help you, but you do not need someone with a fancy degree to help you save your own family's story because what's important is to understand that your family's story is yours. The way that your family speaks to each other is yours. The way that your family saves recipes and passes it down is yours. You are the only person that can know truly how it should be saved and preserved. And there are a myriad of techniques to do that, whether that is recording family videos, whether that is doing an actual oral history with your grandparents, whether that is being the person who volunteers to keep grandma's family photo album. Those are things that you can do. There are some basic preservation techniques and tactics that any of us can do in our everyday lives 
that would help preserve our family history and narratives. It's just being aware of it. I think we've all been in uh, some sort of circle or event, wedding, Thanksgiving, Christmas, birthday party, whether it be with friends or family, and you have this moment where you look around and you say, wow, this is cool. That's the moments that you want to record. And so taking a picture and making sure that the photos on your phone are uploaded into another place. Anytime we think about history keeping, it doesn't need to be formal or structured or an an active oral history interview, you can simply make sure that those moments where you feel it in your spirit get captured or written down or journaled or have those conversations with your family members. Ask them questions about who their parents were, because often with my work, one of the hardest things to do with individuals who are looking to do their family history now is because they don't even know their grandparents' names. And not being able to get to that second generation confidently creates a whole branch of problems later down the road. So even just knowing your grandparents or great-grandparents' names or where they were from or something about them, even if you don't know all the details, that's where I come in. What it really comes down to is being present and asking questions, being curious. It really comes down to however makes sense for you and your family to thrive. What I hope is that we'll see a world where Black people know who their great-grandparents were. They know where they come from. They know who they are and whose they are. That the idea around Black history and Black narrativity and Black storytelling isn't crazy or reserved for one month a year. I don't know about y'all, but we should have a real good conversation about Black History Month. One day, I want to be able to look up And most Black people that I know have a token or a photograph or a a family heirloom because there is a sense of pride and a sense of knowing, a sense of peace and ancestry as 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 a new form of power. You've been listening to Mission Megaphone, a Growth Network Podcasts production. Follow this podcast for more incredible stories from purpose-driven organizations and individuals you'll want to meet. To find out more about this show or The Luster Company, check out our show notes. I'm Linz Florin. Our producers are Sari Wienerman and Jeffrey Morris. Production manager is Maura murphy Barras. Original music by Nicholas Fournier. Promotional support from Marsha Ord. Website by Nick Brodnicki. Thanks for listening. Until we meet again, keep searching for inspiration. And when you find it, make sure to pass it on. If you've ever wanted to edit your own videos or podcasts, but were overwhelmed by how complicated the software was, you are in luck. Descript, or Descript, is a magical tool that allows you to edit text as if you're editing a Google Doc. We use it for this show and use it collaboratively with clients and co-producers on all of our shows. And trust me, it's easy to learn. Click our affiliate link in the show notes to discover the magical tool for yourself. And if you want some guidance on how to learn and use it, please sign up for our Magic of Descript newsletter.